everybody, and welcome to episode 186 of the Ask the Coach show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. In the 2011 season, the Geelong Cats beat the Melbourne Demons by 186 points, the second biggest victory in the history of the Australian Football League. It's Technique Tuesday, and we're going to talk about forehand topspin variations. In the questions, we'll discuss experience versus talent, whether table tennis robots are worth the money, and drills to improve your timing. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Supercoach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Good morning, Jeff. And what is this Australian football you speak of? Oh, this Australian football is where you just kick the football back and forth and try and kick it between some goals. Six points for a goal, one point for if you get it near the goals but not quite in the goals. <laughs> so See, 186 points is a big margin and the Geelong Cats are my team. Go Cats. Ah, I see. That's uh, that's why we bring this in. Um, yes, the, uh, the Australian football is often referred to as aerial ping pong too. So, yes, uh, it is because the ball goes back and forth so quickly. Yeah. There you yeah, go. Which, nice, which makes the game nice pretty link. exciting to watch. <laughs> yeah. Right. If, uh, if any of you out there haven't seen a game of AFL football, get onto it. See, uh, I think you'll like it. It is good to watch. Yes, it is. Now, Alois, what happened on this day in history? Ah, uh, yes. Uh, something that you will be interested in, in the, the first mouse was invented. Computer mouse was invented. What year do you think, Jeffrey? Oh, what year? I don't know. I'm going to go like 79. Yeah, a bit earlier, 1970. Yeah. Okay, yeah. There you go. First mouse. Yeah. It, it is indeed, isn't it? Yes. Uh, don't use a mouse anymore. I use a, my truck pad. What about you, Jeff? Um, I've actually got a mouse here. I have used the track in the past, but now I'm using a mouse. (laughs) Now, yesterday's Pink Sealer's question of the day was, have you tried boosting? Have many people been trying boosting out there, Alois? It doesn't sound like it, Jeff, which is probably a good thing. Um, Yeah, no, only a couple of uh, responses. Um, So uh, Thad said uh, once, but never again. And Shay said yes. Rory said, I tried it twice. Once just to see if, uh, if it worked. And the second time was on a rubber that had shrunk and I took it off so um, that it would fit again. Um, the rubber that I boosted to make wider was already a soft sponge and it seems to be a little mushy. Um, he said the rebound's fine when uh, putting spin, but when you do a flat ball, it's sort of, yeah, it's a bit weird. Okay. Um, so for those people that don't know, what is boosting and, you know, should we, should people be boosting? <laughs> Uh, well, firstly, no, <laughs> no, people shouldn't be boosting. Um, basically, just adding some chemical to the um, to the uh, sponge um, of your racket to uh, increase the speed or increase the yeah. Speed. It, it's uh, meant to give you the similar sort of uh, reaction as the old speed glue does. So, uh, but it is illegal, so not allowed to do it. There you go. All right. Interesting one. I think it's it's a big topic, isn't it? Because if are the top players doing it is a question. And if they are again, 
something needs to be done, I guess. To yeah, level up I the playing my, field. I, I have my sneaky suspicions that a lot of them do, Jeff. Um, but um, yeah, and, and it is, it's, it's, a, it's a real question now. I mean, do we just make it legal? It's not really dangerous. So what they're using, you know, isn't, um, isn't dangerous chemicals. Um, and by making it legal, would it then make it a even playing field and even playing field? So I suppose, you know, I, I equate this one a little bit to the, um, the rule about um, hitting the ball um, on your finger and on your bat, you know, like um, couple, uh, this rule was changed recently where previously if, you, if the ball hit your finger and your bat and went back, then it was a double hit. Um, and uh, what used to happen is that the the honest ones used to always tell your opponent when it uh, hit your finger and, and your bat and uh, the double hit. But then there were a lot of players that just didn't bother um, so by now making it legal for it to double hit, um, it's evened up the playing field. And this is almost the same, you know, like people are out there doing it. Um, it's not really harmful. Um, maybe it's time. Yes, maybe. Um, all right. Well, interesting discussion, Alice. Um, maybe that can be a future Pink Seals question of the day. Should boosting be legal? But for the moment, the Pink Seals question of the day is... Do you think Zhang Ziker is finished? Will he make the Rio 2016 Olympics? Jump onto our Facebook page or our blog and let us know. He's had a couple of bad losses for him lately. Um, and we want to know if you think he's finished. All right. Now, because it's Technique Tuesday, Alois, we've got an interesting discussion lined up about forehand tossing variations. Yeah, so we, we often get questions about, you know, um, the f uh, forehand topspin and how we change the swing and, and what we can do with it. So the forehand topspin basic is really important. So we talk about this a lot, you know, where your start position is and where your finish position is. So up around here, around your eyebrow um, with that 90 degree position here and here. Now, as you start to get that consistent, you can start to vary the amount of speed and spin that you put on the ball. Um, so how do we do that? It's only by making small variations to that swing. So instead of finishing um, here, to get a little bit more speed, what you can do is finish a little bit more forward. So by finishing more forward, then the bat's moving forward a bit more, you're getting a bit more speed. You can also think about changing the contact so if you get a thin contact on the ball you're going to get more spin if you get a flatter contact on the ball you're going to get more speed so they're things that you can start to think about as well to vary the um the top spin that you're making so yeah so a, a few things there just to play around with once once you can get your basic forehand top spin right you can start to get variations yeah, and I think that's a good idea, Alois, is, like you said, to play around with it. Get out on the table and try different types of forehands. Like you said, though, it's important to maintain that good technique, uh, finishing with the 90-90 angle all the time. But, yeah, just work on, you know, different um, contacts, uh, different bat speeds, and uh, play around with it and see what, what works for you. Yeah, so in, in your training, what you can do is, Rather than just playing a topspin to block rally, um, 
each ball try to perhaps increase the speed. So start slow, get faster, 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 faster. Um, or um, each ball try to get a little bit more spin. So start with a normal top spin and then next ball try to get a little bit more spin, a little bit more spin, a little bit more spin. Um, and you, you'll start to see the changes that you need to make to to um, to get those variations. And then once you can do that, then you can start to mix and match. So you can play one ball slow, one ball fast, one ball slow, one ball fast, um, and just get different variations. Um, and then also see what it's like to change up during the rally. Um, and that can be really, really effective in a, in a game. So rather than playing the ball at the same pace, bang, 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 um, and even playing, playing the ball all the time fast, by playing fast and slow, often you can uh, get the error out of your opponent. Great tips, Alloys. And we have a good video, which I'll put in the show notes on forehand topspin variations. So check out the show notes on the Ping Skills blog at pingskills.com. All right, Alloys. First up is a question from Victor E, who says, I have a problem with my loops, the forehand and backhand topspins. Every time my opponent does a short serve, I try to topspin the ball automatically, so I miss the ball. But when it's long, I miss the ball or lob if I don't have time for the loop. But that can be trouble too. So do you have any advice for Victor? Victory, yes, also known as Brocky. Um, so, uh, Brocky, the, the key there for me is firstly recognizing when the ball is short and long. So that's something that you need to practice in your training. What um, what I like to do is um, get someone to feed me multi-ball and vary between getting the ball to bounce short and long. So repetitively just feeding the ball out with some backspin, um, sometimes short and sometimes long. And then I need to just judge when the ball's short and when it's long and watching whether the ball is going to bounce once or twice on the table. Um, when you're doing that, if you're unsure, just leave the ball and just and just see where that second bounce is. You know, sometimes you're not sure. Let it bounce. In training, that's the time to learn and to and to really watch uh, when that ball's coming. And I think that's really pertinent, especially for the for the ball that is long. Often, we um, we think the ball is short. Um, but the ball is actually long. And sometimes if you're unsure, just leave it and you'll see that that second bounce does come off the end of the table and that is an opportunity to topspin. So that's the first thing. The second thing then is to think about what you're going to do on each of those strokes. So if the ball is short, an easier or better option is to just push the ball. So instead of trying to topspin that ball that's short on the table, which is really difficult, either push it or if you want, you can think about playing the flick stroke. Then if the ball is long, then you need to be ready and make your top spin stroke. Um, so one, one important factor I find there is just your uh, footwork movement. So for the right-hander, um, what you want to do is be in your nice basic ready position. And if the ball is short, what all you need to do with your movement is move your right foot in closer to the table and under the table and make the push. If it's long, you just stay there. You stay there sitting, sitting, sitting in your basic ready position and 
make your top spin. So that's your basic position to make your top spin. Then if the ball goes short, move your right foot in, push the ball, and then move your right foot back to your ready position again. So it's in and out, in and out and ready again. So there's a couple of things there, uh, Rocky, that you can um, start to think about with your um, with your judd or the long ball. And it's a really important part of developing your game because if you're still pushing the long balls, um, then you're missing out on opportunities. And if you're trying to attack short balls that are too short, then you're going to make mistakes. So, yeah. All right, great tips there, um, Brocky. A lot, a lot in that answer. A lot to work on, but really good advice. So you know, start practicing, getting used to that judgment, get out of the habit of automatically trying to attack everything, and um, yeah, keep working on it. I'm sure you'll get better. Next up is a question from Esteban, who says, uh, "Say maybe in a game, is it possible?" for someone with almost no experience to beat uh, someone with a bit more experience because of talent? Yeah, good question. You know, like um, where does where does your talent run out and where does your experience kick in? And it'll just depend on, it'll depend on the two players. So, you know, someone that um, has played for a little while um, and might not have much of a background of uh, hitting uh, table tennis balls or or coordination and is just learning may step in there and and play a game, but um, someone that's you know talented talented meaning that they've just hit a lot of table tennis balls before just in you know in fun or they've done a lot of other racket sports perhaps you know maybe they've played a lot of tennis or a lot of um, squash or um, something like that so they've got those basic skills already so those skills can take you a little way um with with the game but then you eventually that sort of runs out and you need experience of playing table tennis of um especially i think the um the experience of understanding spin which is something that you really only get by playing table tennis so yeah so talent will take you some way but then experience or training is what is really going to get you um, that step further. So someone that's been playing um, a while and has experience and um, has played a lot of table tennis can often beat a player with talent just by serving a backspin serve or serving a little bit of side spin with a serve because the person with talent um, may not have experienced any of that before and that's really foreign to them so yeah it's a bit of a trade-off yeah certainly is i think the spin really is what separates table tennis from a lot of other racket sports alloys and i see players that or see people that haven't played table tennis before if i give them a side spin serve and it hits their bat and shoots off they just can't believe the reaction of the spin on the bat yeah i think i've told this story before but um yeah one of our uh, table tennis players played um, one of the best tennis players you know that had been around and and um, you know and played you know Davis Cup level and and that sort of level and just by serving to them they like they just couldn't get the ball back you know it was it was just really a real shock to them that they thought that you know being a Davis Cup tennis player they'd you know be able to play this game pretty well 
And they could, like if you're just rallying with them, that's fine. But as soon as you add some spin or give them a different serve, it whoa, blows their mind. Yeah, and and I think everyone's the same with that. I, I don't. I've never seen anyone that was talented that could just return a spin serve straight off the bat. It it always you know takes a bit of experience to get used to how the ball's reacting, and you know, it's a great part of the game. All right, next up is a question from Jeff. Uh, obviously, a smart question with a name like that. Jeff asks, "Is it worth the money to buy a ping pong robot?" Yeah, and um, good question. We do get this question quite a lot, and it's worth exploring. So a robot, and I suppose the thing that we always um, say is that if you don't have a training partner, then a robot can be a good option. Um, But the robot has a lot lot of limitations. So, So first up, can you get a training partner? No. Then that's probably a time to think about buying a robot. If there is any possibility of finding a training partner or someone that can feed you multi-ball, then that is a better opportunity, a better option for you. So, um, so that's probably the defining factor uh, for me. Whether whether a robot is worth it or not is um, can you find a training partner or someone to feed you multi-ball? Okay, so. Um... So you said multi-ball's better. What's what are some of the reasons multi-ball's better than a robot? Yeah, so the, the multi-ball gives you um, a, a little bit more realistic uh, feel. So the, the ball's coming off rubber. Um, you're getting different, uh, slightly uh, different variations of spin and speed each time the ball comes to you. you and probably the big thing is, that you are watching and tracking the ball from a more realistic um, uh, position. So by watching the ball from here, uh, from down near the table, that's that's one. And then also, you're also seeing the cues of the person feeding you multiple. Where I mean, it might be a, quite a simple type of cue, but you're seeing the timing of the ball. You're seeing them come through and hit the ball. And that starts to give you cues as to to what you should be doing as well. So, so that's um, that's the the really main thing. And 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 then definitely, you know, if you can get someone to block to you or control the ball to you well, then that's another step up. Okay, great. So the training partner, either blocking or doing multi ball, we prefer. But it's not all bad news with the robot. It's still good for grooving strokes. Yeah, that's right. So um, if you're if you're learning strokes, and even it, some of the better robots now, you know, can you can pattern where you want the ball to go. Um, so you can do regular footwork drills. Um, so those sort of things can be can be good. Yes, um, and you know, like you might be a person that likes to train a lot, and you can only find a training partner once a week. Then you can also supplement your training with um, with the robot as well. Excellent. All right, Jeff, hopefully that helps you out. Um, Let us know if it did. Next up, Anish has asked, please suggest me something to hit all the counter balls at the maximum height with a slightly closed angle and adjust to all types of balls received on my side, improving overall timing. Yeah, so Anish, probably the the key thing that I hear there is the the timing. Um, So timing is something that you start to develop again with more practice. But one thing that um, 
one of my coaches from when I was very young, Keith Keane, um, taught me was you can you can really listen to the ball. So when you're playing, listen to the rhythm of the ball. So it, it'll make da 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 da, and that is the rhythm and the timing that you need to um, to start to get those strokes consistent. So if you start to listen to the ball and it's 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 out of whack or it's it's out of timing, then then you'll 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 really hear it. You know, if you're taking the ball too early or if you're taking the ball too late then you'll, you'll start to hear those things uh, well. So I found, I found that um, really useful. I remember when I, was, when I was young and when I was learning to just develop the timing and, and that really helps with your consistency. So if you find that you're taking the ball too early or low off the, off the table or you're taking the ball too late and waiting too late until it's dropping, start to listen to, to, uh, to the rhythm of the ball and you'll start to find where that best uh, timing spot is to, to make your better strokes. Okay, great. Now, is hitting the ball at the top of the bounce, is that something that you focus on or, or give people drills to try and do? Or do you more, when you're coaching people, just give them, just work on the forehand and concentrate on different aspects of it? Or, or is it something that you actually train for? Yeah, you you can start to you can, you can start to focus a little bit on that as well. So, I mean, initially, yes, it's about um, getting the stroke correct, but then you can start to th- experiment and think about the timing of the ball. And sometimes you might want to be hitting the ball earlier off the table. So then it's a matter of listening to that timing and and being able to change that timing. So it's da da rather than da da. Um, hitting the ball at the top of the bounce, I think, in general, is a good principle because that gives you the best opportunity the ball's higher um, you've got a more direct line um, to the table so in general that is a is a good principle to to stand by so hit that ball at the top of the bounce but it doesn't mean that that's where you need to hit the ball all the time once you start to, to develop and start to get um, better okay and when would you want to try and hit the ball earlier um if you're Trying to give your opponent less time. So, if you're, um, if the other person um, isn't as fast as you, and you're you're starting to really force the pace, then you can start to take that ball a little bit earlier off the table and give them less time. Mm, gotcha. Excellent. All right. Good tips there, and thank you for the question, Anish. Hopefully that helps you out. Um, great tip. Listen to the ball. That'll help you with your timing. Like it. All right, that wraps up show 186. Thanks, everybody, for watching. Make sure you check out pingskills.com. Sign up to our free account. You get to see a whole lot of strokes and techniques videos, plus get access to our weekly email newsletter full of table tennis tips. So thanks, everyone, again, and thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeffrey, and uh, have a great day, Pingskillers, and uh, let's see if we can get some table tennis into today. Great. See you, everyone. Bye.